Hello and welcome to What's The Story. We're an inquisitive bunch of hosts from the What's The Story team on a mission to uncover stories about faith and courage from everyday people. And to help us do just that, we get the privilege to chat with amazing guests and delve into their faith journey, the hurdles they've overcome, and the life lessons they have learned along the way. Now, if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for our newsletter on our website, which is whatsthestorypodcast.com. It's your direct line to the latest episodes and detailed show notes, and they all get delivered straight to your inbox. And the best part, it's absolutely free. What's the Story is brought to you by Crowd Church. We understand that stepping into a traditional church might not be everybody's cup of tea. And that's where Crowd Church steps in, providing a digital sanctuary, a safe space to explore the Christian faith where you can engage in meaningful conversations rather than just simply spectating. So whether you are new to the Christian faith or are in search of a new church family, we invite you to visit us at www.crowd.church. And if you've got any questions, just drop us an email at hello at crowd.church. We're here to help and would genuinely love to connect with you. And now, without further ado, let's meet your host, and our very special guest for today. Hello there, and welcome to What's the Story podcast. I'm Emma Kettle, one of the team behind CrowdChurch. Today, I'm actually joined by one of my oldest childhood friends, Ruth Hetler, who I think I met at age 10 or 11 and we did all of our secondary school years together um, before our lives took slightly different turns. I went northwards towards Liverpool and she went further south to uh, the big smoke in London. Um, but Ruth is a wife, a mum, a friend, and a nurse. She's also currently studying, finishing studying for her MSc in leadership in healthcare. She works for a small intercultural faith-based organization and has been living in Rwanda for the past five years with her family. Ruth loves uh, coffee, as I do, good books, <laughs> as I do, um, the ocean and mountains, and she is also really passionate about building authentic friendships and also about the importance of supporting people's emotional health too. So Ruth, thank you for joining us today on What's the Story? Really pleased to have you here. Yeah. And you're joining us all the way from Rwanda as well. I am. Uh, I'm here in Kigali. In so Rwanda. we're kind of fingers crossed that mm -hmm. the text stays with us today and that like, yeah, we don't lose each other. But so far, so good. So yeah. Yes. Um, we're excited to have you on the show today. I, there's like a ton of things I want to ask you about because um, I know you've got a really interesting life. Um <laughs> But yeah, I suppose we should start at the beginning, really, shouldn't we, mm -hmm. of your faith journey? Because mm -hmm. unlike unlike me, most of the listeners won't know you quite as well as I mm -hmm. do. So should we go back to sort of the beginning of your story and kind of how you grew up and sort of your faith journey? Mm -hmm. um, I know, like me, you grew up in a Christian family. Um, yeah. In fact, our families lived around the corner from each other, didn't yeah, they, for they like did. a number of years yes, they did. when we were teenagers. Um, but um, yeah... I suppose what I'm interested in is uh, what, what if any, were sort of key or really defining times that stand out mm. in your faith journey? So growing up in a Christian family and then obviously that faith becoming 
real mm. to you as well like when did that happen and mm. kind of were there any key times for you mm-hmm. yeah thanks Anna yeah it's great it's great to be talking with you tonight so many things we could chat about together but um yes I mean yeah. like, like you you know I grew up in a Christian home my parents were both Christians and actually my, my grandparents as well were Christians so I was raised as you know with that and church very much being being part of as my weekly life I think there's a couple of defining moments for me and definitely one key season in my life was when I was a student so um I went from being in Oxford where uh, you know grew up in the same church um went to the same school which actually was a Christian school and then I went from that quite close-knit environment to then London for four years um, to university and I remember so acutely actually still now even though it was like more than 20 years ago don't want to admit that but um I remember remember that first year just feeling so incredibly lonely and lost in in you know in in a big city um realizing Mm. I could go anywhere do anything and and Nobody would really know what I was up to in a lot of ways. And that's, that loneliness hit me really quite hard and quite acutely. And I remember I would just fill my time. I just would cram my week and my diary and my life full of, of people really. And, um, mm-hmm. so that I didn't have to be alone. So I, so I never had to spend time on my own. And I remember a couple at the time who were kind of good friends and mentors in my life and talking about this, this feeling of acute loneliness. Um, and they actually really encouraged me. The phrase they used was, you know, you actually need to, you need to run into the loneliness, Ruth. You need to run into the pain and you need to sit with the loneliness and sit with yourself and see what happens. So I intentionally started to try and empty my diary a bit more, try to not cram it full of people and activity and leave space. And that space, it was scary. It was, I felt like, I don't know what this is going to look like. But anyway, that's what I did. I've ran into the loneliness, embraced that space. And really, God really did meet me in that space and in that loneliness. And I started to see things about myself and about him. And, you know, the more I got to know him, the more I learned about myself. Um, and really that was such a formative time of my life. And those whole four years really at uni in London were so incredibly Mm. formative for me. And I think that's definitely without a doubt where my faith became my own story and my own journey. And I learned, I think maybe for the first time, I'm not sure that, you know, in pain, actually God really can meet us in in that space and in that place and that good mm. things can come from that. so yeah and it's it's interesting that you say that I mean a lot of people say that uni is quite a formative time in their lives you mm. know it's kind of stepping into the adult space and independence for the first time isn't it mm. and no, I know that was true for me as well but it's interesting that you sort of talk about kind of yeah that kind of natural instinct that I think a lot of us have which is to like fill every minute of every day and to fill our lives with noise and stuff and people and things going on all the time and 
maybe even more of an issue now than it was 20 years ago. Right. Like we have such a, you know, this was pre-social media yeah, days. It was pre-Instagram people. Yeah, but I'm pre-Facebook. But yeah. like, but like anything, life has only sped up even more yeah. since then. So I think that so many people will probably identify with that sense of like wanting to kind of fill the time and run away from kind of some of those more difficult things like loneliness or feeling a bit lost mm -hmm. in a big neat place and yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because you sort of say that's actually where you really encountered God and it's it's interesting because it, it it just made me think of like that bible verse that says be still and know mm -hmm. that I am God it's like it's not like be as busy as you can be and then no. find me is it it's no. like you're more likely to find God in the silence yeah. and the the stillness yeah. um, you know, according to, to a lot of the Bible. So yeah. yeah, I find that, I find that really interesting. It, it re probably really resonates with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So you, obviously that was your, um, kind of, yeah, that was your journey into kind of going deeper in your faith. Mm -hmm. And so you did, you did a uni in London mm -hmm. and then, yeah. And then what happened next? So you, you, you trained to be a nurse yeah. and, and you always had this plan, didn't you? From like mm -hmm. a young age to kind of go and work somewhere mm -hmm. like Africa. And mm -hmm. like, I remember you talking about that in your early teens and me thinking, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with my life. And you were just so, you know, had such a clear sense of cool, mm -hmm. I guess, for want of a better mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that and like mm. how did that sort of pan out? Mm. Yeah, yes, that's exactly the word. Yeah. Also, that's the word I would use uh, at that time in my life that, you know, as a teenager around the age of 15, 16, I, j I just, I mean, that's a story in itself. But in short, I, yeah. I just, I, I sent um, that word call. I would use a different word now, but we'll get, we'll get onto that. Mm. But, um, that sense of call, that sense of, I, I want to mm. live in Africa. It was especially the East, East Africa region, which obviously is where I am now. And, um, I knew I wanted to be a nurse and I knew I wanted to live in Africa. And, um, it felt very clear at that time. It felt very simple. Um, it felt, it felt like, okay, you know, I, I know kind of what I want to do. So I went to London, graduated, um, as a nurse. And, um, had a, was planning on staying in London actually to work, uh, was part of a great church that I loved a lot. That was, we met in Soho in the comedy. I don't know if anyone's ever been. We met in the comedy club in, um, in Soho and, um, just a really vibrant church and I loved it. And it was real, it was community for me. And like I said before, a lot of growth. Anyway, was wanting to stay in London, but, um, had a dream. Where I was living back at home with my parents in Oxford, working as a nurse, and I was saving to go to a Bible college. And I kind of processed this dream for a while, reflected on it with people, with good friends, because, you know, I think whenever we have that sense of like wanting to hear from God, uh, we need wisdom and, you know, good advice and community around us to help us yeah. process that and shape that. But anyway, I went back to Oxford. And that was really very challenging, very difficult season um, for me. I worked as a nurse, which I deeply loved, and I ended up meeting my husband. And um, and then really, it was a winding journey, is really how I would describe it. It was mm. not straightforward. It was not a 
led to B, led to C, led to D. It was a winding journey of up and down. And um, there were disappointments along the way. We had health challenges along the way. Um, and we, we thought we were going to go to one country and then that didn't kind of work out. And, and so it, it unfolded in a way that I absolutely did not expect. And moments mm. of really just trying to figure out what do I, do I really want this? And what do I want? And who am I? And, um, and where is God in all of this? But as with so much of life, right? You look and see the process and the journey that you've been on. And, and God mm. used that time to do so much work in us as, you know, as, as people, my husband and I, um, that it was actually a really like, rich time, although it was also really difficult as well. Um, mm. so I think, you know, as we figure out and look at life, like, who are we? Who do we want to be? I think so often it looks so different to how we anticipated. Um, but that, that's okay. And again, we find God in and in those moments that feel like disappointments, sometimes mm-hmm. really acutely. But as we journey through them and as we process them in a healthy, like robust way, we actually can see so much of what God has kind of worked into us as as people, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think you described it to me the other day as um when we're talking as like almost like um like God's more interested in the journey than the destination. Like we're very totally. kind of get to the end of the journey kind of as people, aren't we? We're yeah. like, here's a goal, I want to reach the goal and achieve the outcome yeah. or whatever. But actually, God's quite often more interested in who we're becoming than totally. what we're doing Absolutely. Um, as people. Yeah. And, and yeah, again, your, your experiences really speak strongly of that, I think. Um, it's that thing of like, you know, even though you sort of knew your sort of end destination, as it were, from quite a young age, it took like quite a number, quite a lot of years, didn't it, to kind of be where you are now and... Um, quite a lot of details along the way. I, I, I find that really interesting. And I think definitely, you know, Anna, there was a season in my life where I was, I was holding on to this sense of call actually more tightly than was, than was healthy and ended up holding on to the sense of call actually tighter than I was actually really holding on to God. And, and, mm. and uh, yeah, absolutely. The journey—it's about the journey rather than like destination. And, and completely, he's more interested, I think, in who we are becoming than mm. actually like the external of, of, of what mm. we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's—it's it's like it's not just the journey, is it? It's like who we're journeying with. It's like yeah. you know, it's that journey with God. I, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot about about journeying with God in Scripture, isn't there? Yeah. Like I, I can't help thinking of the Israelites mm-hmm. and just how indirectly they mm-hmm. traveled to the Promised Land, even though they knew that's where they were headed. It took them such a long time to get there. Yeah, you know, and generations of right. people, and it's it's like yeah, it, yeah, it's it's such a I mean, there, there's other stories too in the Bible on there, but that's just the one that really sticks out. And you just think, yeah, you can really see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 
And then obviously more, so more recently you've been working and living in Rwanda mm -hmm. in East Africa. And, um, but you know, and, and that's, I imagine got its own challenges and incredible gifts all kind of rolled into one, like Absolutely. good and bad, like much of life. But, um, what you, over the last few years, you've had a really big challenge, haven't you as well in terms of mm -hmm. like your personal life and your family. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? And, Kind of how that's impacted your face. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, so um, you know, we eventually, after a detour through living in in France, lived in the south of France for nearly four years, <laughs> which was brilliant. Uh, and um, anyway, we we arrived in in Rwanda January two thousand eighteen. So we've been here for just over five years now. And um, my mum was diagnosed uh with breast cancer, um. And she, she had treatment and went into remission. And then, um, summer 2019, she unfortunately relapsed from, uh, her, her breast cancer and it, it had spread to different, different parts of her body. And, um, and she ended up passing away in February 2020, just before uh, COVID kind of arrived or we were aware anyway of who of what COVID was in the UK and um, I think for me it's it's been such a, a huge journey over these last few years really and I think largely because when mum was first diagnosed and then also when she relapsed I for me I never actually asked God to heal her I my own journey was not one that um, involved a lot of prayer, asking God to heal her. Other people did. For me, my as her daughter, my mm -hmm. journey was okay. My goodness, I have to, I have to adapt to this like life changing um, kind of situation, and actually, I have to adjust to the the thought of my mum not being with us anymore. That was my own journey. And was that was that because was that because um. Because from the start, her prognosis wasn't great. And because, I mean, yeah, w was that because, you know, you kind of like this, you know, silly on paper, this doesn't look good. I mean, you're a nurse, so, you know, a cancer nurse. So you, you kind of knew the sort of um, ins and outs yeah. of it probably better than anyone, didn't you? Uh, and just to say, you know, I'm I'm yeah, and I'm super aware, you know, no, I have no idea who is listening to this and who, mm. and who has their own journey to walk. And I, um, but yeah, you know, there's lots of different types of, of breast cancer and the specific type that my mum had, mm. um, was one that carried a poor prognosis. And I, I knew that as a cancer yeah. care nurse and I was in some of the, uh, initial appointments with the doctors and, and had to, had to walk that journey of my, you know, respecting very much what my mum did mm. and didn't want to know, but, but knowing yeah. really times more than she did, but not being able to, mm. to share with anybody other than really my husband, Paul. Um, so I knew from the get go that this was a different journey than really yeah. now, you know, breast cancer carries like good outcomes because of the advancement yeah in generally treat. yeah but I knew for my mum was a and then when she relapsed in summer 2019 um because it had been short after her like treatment and going into remission you know there wasn't a she wasn't in remission for a long period of time 
So, um, so I was carrying this and I think, yeah, you're right that because I was carrying that additional kind of information, I suppose, as a cancer care nurse and was aware of, of, of some. Um, and I think just, um, just, it was like, it was just the journey I needed to walk. The journey I needed to walk yeah. as her daughter was one where I, I didn't actually, um, you know, I, I, did, I didn't pray hard for her healing. That was other people's journey to walk that they were doing that. For me, my journey was that the one thing I, the one thing I prayed was that I would be with her and she passed away or I would get to, to spend some time with her. We were living still in Rwanda and, um, the plan was that I was going to go back to the UK to meet up with her doctors, spend time with mum and dad and kind of make a plan of action. And most likely the kids and I come to the UK and, you know, until the end of my mum's um, life. Um, but yeah, I mean, things didn't turn out um, the way that we expected. It, it was uh, mid-February 2020. I was at home in Rwanda and um, actually, remarkably, my sister, her husband and their kids were over visiting us for two weeks on holiday, just uh, having a, having time together, which was fantastic. And we got a call from my dad. And whereas we expected my mom to have months um, to live, unfortunately, uh, cut a long story short, she had some uh, tests and stuff done at hosp- in the hospital, and she'd had a heart, um, kind of a heart episode that had significantly weakened her heart and the doctors said actually you know we don't think there's months anymore this really is is weeks so dad called us and said look guys you know you really need to come to the uk when your sister does so when my sister and her husband you know were due to finish their holiday with us the plan was we would go with them um and but then uh less than 24 hours later we got a second call from my dad saying look there's been a second heart episode your mum's had actually now looking like it's ours um like she she's gonna pass away today so that was very very early on the saturday morning that we received that that phone call and my sister and her husband were awake and the four of us just sighed on whatsapp talking to my dad and and i just i just lost Anna, I just, I lost it in that moment. I, um, mm. and when I, what I mean by that is I just, it just broke down and, um, kind of disappeared around the side of our house and just like let it all, all go. I think I yelled. I think I screamed. I think I cried. I think I shouted. And in that moment, it felt like what I can describe as like a, just a cramp, a pe- just a cramp. In my mm. relationship with God, I was so incredibly disappointed. I was so profoundly disappointed and felt so profoundly let down by him because my, the thing was I had never asked him to heal her. All I'd asked was, can I, that I just wanted to be with her, but have time with her before yeah. she passed away. And, you know, when she passed away and I didn't, didn't get, that was the plan and it didn't happen. Yeah. And not only that, you went from having what you thought was like weeks and weeks to like literally no time at all, like maybe months and months to weeks and weeks. And then, you know, yeah. just over 24 hours, it was sort of that time you yeah. thought you had just. Yeah, was that was, that was exactly, yeah. That, that's so tough. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. It, within 24 hours, we went from thinking we had months, we had a plan 
to, okay, mm-hmm. now it's weak, but the plan was still the following week mm-hmm. and from weeks to actually, you know, it's not even days, it's now hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and had to make the incredible difficult decision together as a family, um, we, that to not actually, we could, we, to not actually go, like we couldn't make it. We were looking at flights and when the planes le- left and at that point we, we lived three hours from the airport. Um, so, um, you know, we were looking at flights, what was possible and just, um, it, it wasn't physically possible to within the time frame that, um, yeah. that we, that we had. So we actually made the incredibly difficult and painful decision of, of not trying to go. So we spent that day, that Saturday together as a family, um, on what mm-hmm. with my dad and on the, on video with my mom, able to talk with her, able mm-hmm. to pray with her. Um, and, and those were really precious. Um, I was really, but the disappointment for me was very profound, I think is the word mm-hmm. I would use. But I suppose, um, to, to not stay, you know, in, in that place and in that moment. I think for me, Anna, you know, me looking now at three, three plus years down the road, really the miracle for me, it feels like now the miracle, mm-hmm. like my miracle was not that my mum was healed on, you know, this earth. Um, she is mm-hmm. healed. She's in heaven, but. That my miracle was not that I got to see my mom healed and her life extended on earth. My miracle though feels like I still have a relationship with God and I still love him and I still want to know him and I believe him and know him to be kind and good and merciful and loving. And that feels like my miracle because honestly, in February 2020, I, I don't know if would ever be possible again and I remember so clearly um so we flew back to the UK uh um you know with my sister and her husband and kids we, we went back to the UK and obviously be with my dad and and prepare for my mm. mum's funeral and I remember so clearly walking in the first Sunday morning we were back in the UK going back to what I describe as our, our home church in Oxford in the UK and it, it was singing right that's often what we do at church we sing we worship um and that's when we arrived uh, people were singing and you know the lyrics the words to the songs that projected up on the screen all i wanted to do was just like turn around walk out again and two of my friends came and stood i they stood either side of me and um one of them my friend kirsty she grabbed my hand and I'm, I, I turned to her and I looked at her and I said, Kirsty, I, I can't sing, I cannot sing, I can't sing these words because I don't know if I believe them anymore and I don't know if I ever will believe them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and she grabbed my hand and she looked me in the eyes and she said, Ruth, it's okay, you don't have to sing. Like, I'll sing for you and I'll keep singing for you until you're ready to sing again. And it was like in that moment, she gave me the gift of like, of of community of friendship of physical presence you know she was physically yeah. there she gave me permission she didn't say for goodness sake get your act together of course you know it's true she gave me permission and space you know she said you don't have to sing like you don't have to be ready and then thirdly mm-hmm. anna she gave me hope like i didn't have any 
point, but she gave yeah. me her hope. And it was like, she, she said, you know, hold on, I have hope, hold on to my hope until you're ready to have hope again. And I don't think she really knew what she did in that moment, but it was like in that moment, she gave me those three things, that, that physical presence, community, permission mm. to be in the space I was in. And then lastly, that sense of you don't have hope right now, Ruth, but I do. So hold on to mine. Yeah. And I, and I did, you know, I did, um, hold on to hers and, and many others who were around me, giving me permission, giving me that physical presence community. Although COVID then made that very difficult. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, get, people gave me permission and then kind of enabled me to hold on to their hope. And I didn't have yeah. any yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. I think that's a really powerful kind of picture, isn't it? In that moment of what grieving in community with others looks like when it's done well. Mm -hmm. It's like people standing with you or sitting with you in the pain and sort of being there and being strong when you can't be. And yeah, that's so precious. Yeah, it really is. It, you know, all of, all of that that you've been through, it's just really tough, you know, it, it's tough because of all the disappointment that you felt in, in the kind of process and the disappointment with God and feeling like all that time was suddenly snatched away from you. And it was, it was difficult because it happened right before COVID lockdown mm -hmm. started all over the world. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was quite an isolating season that you then went into straight after the funeral. And when you're yeah. still just processing that very raw grief, really. Um, but I wonder, obviously you did process it because you said, you know, you came out of the other end and, you know, the miracle is that you're still here and you have hope and you still have a faith in God. But I'm, I'm wondering sort of like, you know, grief is so often, the process of grieving is so often transforming, I think. And in my experience, yeah. it, it, it can, I work with people who are grieving quite often and, uh, it, it, grief is transforming, I think, but it can transform you for better or for worse. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm interested, I guess, in kind of how that, yeah, how that grief check process changed you and kind of, you know, how did you process it all, I guess, and get to that point of hope again? And sort of how has it been a transforming force in your life and in, in your faith journey? So how has it changed you? How has it shaped you? And, made you obviously you're, you're a different person to to who you were three or four years ago because of what you've been through so how how has it changed you if you could sort of pin it down yeah I mean I think that's a great question and great reflections Anna and I think you know I think one of the thing one of the things that COVID took from us and when I say us I mean across the globe universally COVID meant that so so many people were grieving in isolation yeah you know grieving disconnect from community and disconnected from family even um and i think i think that that was one of for me one of the difficult things I, on the one hand it gave me a bit more space in some ways although you know having four kids in lockdown at home not exactly, not that, not much, that much space than other you know and uh, but um but i think you know i just so so believe that grief and grieving is meant to happen and be processed in community with others. And it's mm -hmm. costly. It's costly because you, you have to be vulnerable and you feel very vulnerable and you feel exposed. But 
for me, such a big part of my journey and my transformation has been about allowing people into my grief journey. Um, and you know, one of my, one of my friends and, and mentors said to me, you know, Ruth, like everybody at some point in their life will, will experience grief, will lose, you know, the parent if, if, if anything else. And, um, you know, like this is also about allowing people into my grief journey to, because it also gives other people permission. You know, it gives others permission to, to grieve and to process that in community and authentically and vulnerably. And um, I think so much of, you know, you, so much of you when you're in pain, like we're hardwired to protect ourselves in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And when we're in pain, we want to protect ourselves and that means we want to close in on ourselves when actually it's having those safe spaces, those safe relationships where you feel like permission is given for you just to be as you are. And I think my friend, you know, my family like really did provide that for me. And I think just, you know, lastly, I think, yeah, it has profoundly changed me and I am... I don't know how to articulate this, but I, I'm so, I'm so grateful for the change that God has done in me. I'm not saying I'm grateful for that my mom is not here. I would choose her to be here a hundred percent, but I'm so thankful that God is so much bigger, right? He's bigger than grief. He's bigger than death. And he redeems everything. And what I mean by that is even you know, in my profound disappointment, like he, yeah. he, he took that, actually he's turned it into something that means I have a stronger sense of myself, of who I am. Right. I have a stronger relationship with him because, you know, I hit, I hit the wall of my own, at the end of my own resources. Um, right. you know, I was empty. I didn't know how to do this. Um, you know, I consider myself, I liked being a competent person, Anna, and I was not competent. You know, I was not able yeah. to just get on and do life as, as no, needed. No, no one's a professional at uh, grieving or they <laughs> until we've been at a view time. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not something we're taught to do even. No. So. But it's yeah. like in coming, in coming to the end of ourselves, you know, and I know it sounds like, I know it sounds like a bit of a cliche and I'm sorry for that in some ways, but when we get to the end of ourselves and when we get to places of brokenness, if we choose, if we choose to lean into God, if we choose to push into community, if we choose to keep on going day after day, he really does work in a transformation, right? In us. And, um, and it's somehow so precious. And it's somehow something that can't be taken, I don't believe, from us. It can actually be a really beautiful thing. And that's the mystery of God. And that's the mystery of knowing him. And that's the mystery of the gospel and of Jesus and of journeying with them. And I I can't yeah. imagine for me going through my grief journey without God, without, you know, looking at the life of Jesus I really can't yeah and there's something that's I think so freeing as well about 
getting to that point where, you know, it's, it's easy to want to be competent, capable, okay. someone who does the right things, all, all that kind of stuff. But actually getting to that point where you do hit a wall, you do fall apart, you are angry and, you know, um, just don't know if things will ever be the same again. Yeah. And then finding that God's still there and he's still the same in that. Yeah. And that he still loves you even when you look like a mess and you don't want to speak to him and, yeah. you know, you're just incredibly angry and disappointed in him. Like, there's something quite freeing about that, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, totally. And I think that that's a great word, actually, to use. And that's a word I would use to describe my, myself. You know, I think I was somebody growing up who just, I just somehow felt like I had to have it all together and I wanted to have it all together. You know, I wanted to yeah. look like I had it all together. I wanted to project an image of, no, I'm good. You know, I know what I'm doing. I'm in control. I've got it together. But, you know, something mm. like, as, there's other things in life. It's you know, any kind of loss, any kind of disappointment, any kind of grief. You know, I, c- I couldn't all together or hold it all together i could have kept on trying but at yeah. some point you know it would have been really detrimental to to my well-being to to let go and um, there's a mm. freedom like really in that. yeah and have you found that it's changed the way you kind of relate to other people who are mm-hmm. hurting or maybe going through not necessarily going through the same kind of grief like Obviously, there's grief for losing a parent, but also there's a hundred, a hundred thousand different ways on there that people are hurting and breaking in this world. But do you feel like it's given you like more empathy for others around you who are, you know, going through hard things as well? I, I, I think it has. I hope it has. Um, I hope it has. I feel like, I feel, you know, often like a, a connection or empathy to to people that are experiencing yes yeah, some kind of loss disappointment mm-hmm. grief I think um, and I it's definitely resulted in me really desiring authentic like relationship mm-hmm. and authentic friendship I find it very hard one of the things I need to work on at the moment is I find it very hard to like to to deal with the surface level basically you know yeah. <laughs> that, that you yeah, but small talk. the small talk it's terrible yeah you're like give a small talk and tell me how, how what's really going on and how you're really doing exactly especially i mean i don't know i don't know about in rwanda probably the africans are probably much better at this than us but like certainly here it's like how are you? Yeah, great. It's just like it's like instinct, isn't it? You don't even think I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, it's, yeah. We all do it. We all do it. It's we like do. I haven't really got t- twenty minutes to tell you right now that like five things have gone wrong today already. So we just all do it, don't yeah, we? We, like, we do. And we mm. just it's almost like second nature. We don't even think about it. It's like hi. Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. But yeah, you, you're so right. It's it's so important to to be able to go deeper than that in terms of you know just looking after even just for your own emotional health what you say it's so important it is and i think sometimes we need it it connects with what i was saying before but we need sometimes we need that permission don't we sometimes we need you know an interaction a friendship a community a space a conversation where we feel the other person 
actually is there's a sense of permission of like actually I want to be real with you um you know and yeah. I want you to be real with me and that builds deeper yeah. authenticity and deeper connection so I think my journey has really made me um you know desire and long for what like authentic relationship authentic friendship authentic community authentic space and I think the church has a massive call um or role to play in creating sure. those communities and those spaces for people to feel again it links right for people to feel heard for people to have yeah. you know, be given permission to be real and again yeah. like for people to hold on to other other people's hope if if they're not in place yet to really hope for themselves so yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, different church spaces some, sometimes do it better than others, don't they? And, but I, I, I agree. I think it's such an important role that the church and, and we as Christians, as individuals, yes. you know, it's so important that yeah. we kind of lead by example on this. So yeah, yeah no, it's something I'm really passionate about too, as you know. So, I mean, I could keep talking to you about this all day. I'm, I'm kind of aware of time that we're going to have to draw our conversation to a close soon. Yeah. But I mean, if you kind of like reflect back on your journey and it's sort of, I know, you know, there's plenty of years ahead le left yet, mm -hmm. but, but sort of looking back over the last 20 years or so and sort of life up to now and kind of the conversation we've just had, what would you say is kind of one of your big takeaways or perhaps one lesson that you've learned up till now if you could kind of distill it down to like just one thing I know I know this is like a really difficult question isn't uh, it but it is so I difficult. mean is there one kind of thing where like really stands out that you perhaps you know uh, something I I know this or I've learned this or mm -hmm. this is a motto or a lesson I now live by and I want to share with other listeners yeah I think it's super hard when you asked me this question I was like I don't know but I think for me, it would be a sense of like, of, of knowing God lead me to knowing myself that, you know, if I, and it vice versa. So like, if I want to know God more, I actually really need to know myself too. And then in knowing God more, then I actually understand and know myself more. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can, we can live a disconnected, you know, life of like okay there's the kind mm -hmm. of spiritual element of our relationship with God and who we are and then there's like us our emotions our personalities but, you know it, it's like you can't have one with, without the other for me to know God is actually to really know myself and I think I feel like I've been on that journey especially the last 20 years and then even more intensely the last kind of three to, to five years and um and that there's again the freedom you know, in that as a freedom that comes in knowing and understanding ourselves and therefore knowing God more, that the two, those two things are so kind of connected. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I would say, you know, to know God is to know myself and yeah. to know myself is also to, to know God who he is. There's this quote that just it, that just reminded me of, um, which is, "With God's help, I shall become more myself." Mm. Um, I think it's Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but I'm not totally sure. sure so don't quote me on that, anyone. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with God's help, I I shall become more myself, and it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? It's like the two are, you know, 
God creates us. And so, of course, he, you know, he knows us better than ourselves and yeah. brings us into greater fullness of that, yeah. you know, as we get to know him more. Yeah. It, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And yes, like a lifetime of learning it yeah, and doing it. It is. And it's about, you know, that this is connected to so many things. You know, it's connected to pro- to processing. Like we've talked about grief and disappointment mm. today together. You know, it, it's about processing grief and disappointment healthily in a healthy way. Mm. You know, to do that, I, I need to, I need to understand myself, you know, more. Um, so yeah so much in that really yeah yeah exactly and we could keep talking about this all day and we could but i'm aware of time so i thank you so much for joining us today um just and giving up your time and just you know sharing your story so honestly and vulnerably with us um i really appreciate that and just like that we have reached the end of another fascinating conversation Now remember to check out Crowd Church at www.crowd.church, even if you might not see the point of church. You see, we are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus can help us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow. And you are welcome at Crowd Church. Don't forget to subscribe to the What's the Story podcast on your favorite podcast app because we've got a treasure trove of inspiring stories coming your way and we would basically hate for you to miss any of them. And just in case no one has told you yet today, remember, you are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. What's the Story is a production of Crowd Church. Our fantastic team, including Anna Kettle, Sadaf Bainon, and me, Edmondson, uh, and Tanya Hutzelak, work behind the scenes tirelessly to bring you all these fabulous stories. Our theme song is a creative work of Josh Edmondson. And if you're interested in the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. And whilst you're there, sign up for our free weekly newsletter to get all of this goodness delivered straight to your inbox. So that's it from all of us this week here at What's the Story. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now.